0: Today's scripture is from Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. 10 bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, All of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Ah, what a season it is in my own life, I, I say. Um, in, in everybody's life, honestly, but um, I, I speak a little bit more uh, pointedly about my own life. Uh, my wife and I were in the season in which everybody, everybody we know is getting married, and it is an exhausting season. But it's also a lot of fun. Uh, we had a wedding last night. It was for one of uh, Kristen's high school friends, and um, it was a lot of fun, really cool venue, lots of uh, good uh, food and music. And, uh, and those are some of the things I love about weddings. I really, I really do love the very first thing, and the most important reason I go to weddings, is um, free food because it's going to be there, right? If, you, if you're throwing a wedding, you have to provide food, so I know it's going to be there, and the later the wedding is, the better, because the later the wedding is, the better the food is. I also love dancing. Um, yeah, growing up, I remember hearing that, like, Christians aren't supposed to dance because dancing is, like, really horrible, uh, apparently. Um, I, I, I broke through that, much like the town of, uh, in, in Footloose, um, and decided that dancing is way too much fun for it to be wrong, uh, so I love the dancing part. Um, I love the joy and the love that's there. It is just so much fun to see, like, the bride and groom were just having, like, the time of their lives, not a care in the world, just, it's just such, such a good atmosphere. I love, as well, the metaphors that come out of weddings. Uh, weddings are often used in scripture, uh, most especially by Jesus, to make a point um, and so that's kind of what we come across in our text today, uh, the text that Lydia so eloquently read for us. This is one of the many points in which Jesus uses a wedding to make a point. Uh, Jesus, big fan of weddings, always trying to be at the weddings because there's so much love there. And they are truly symbolic. The, the uh, covenant of marriage is very similar to the covenant that we take um, as Christians. Uh, Vows are, are fairly similar. And uh, Jesus' very first sign, as the Gospel of John calls it, was at a wedding, turning water into wine. In this particular passage, we have here a very peculiar story. We have 10 bridesmaids going to meet a bridegroom. So once we hear this story, we recognize we can't just apply this this story to our own lives. I say that, at least, I can't, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you, whenever you were preparing, if you've ever been a part of a wedding or had a wedding or anything like that, maybe some of you had this ritual in which the bridesmaids would go out in the middle of the night and wait for the bridegroom to show up. This is already a very odd practice, so we already know we can't really apply this to to our own context, so we need the context of Matthew, the historical context, but most importantly, the literary context from Matthew chapter 24. So important note here, anytime you're approaching scripture, don't just take the words that are right there in front of you. Make sure you understand the context from which it comes. Jesus is nearing the end of his life. The crucifixion is upon him. and He knows this. And so he begins some of his most heated teachings, and he's really at this point investing in his disciples. This is uh, in Matthew 25, 24 and 25, we have what we call the second Sermon on the Mount, or the mini-Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this happens on the Mount of Olives this time, and it's instead of being for the multitude of thousands and thousands of people, it's just for Jesus' disciples. And in this, he talks about a couple of things. In chapter 24, he starts out talking about the temple and how the temple stands as this, uh, this emblem of Jewish society. And, uh, and this is really like what everything is built around. This is, by the way, the second temple that has been here. He then goes on to start talking about the end of age and how no stone will be left unturned at the temple and talking about what like the end of times, the apocalypse might look like. And this is where things start getting a little dicey. And then he goes on and talking about the coming of the Son of Man or, or the coming of Christ, uh, as, as we understand. And we start to get a little bit of these themes of Advent coming toward us. So remember, like I said, we're getting close to the season of Advent, a time in which we prepare and remember. We remember the time Christ came. We have this cute little manger scene and uh, we remember there are wise men and there are like these farm animals and it's a very weird looking scene, but it happens and we celebrate it. But it's also a time of uh, preparation, preparing for what some might call the second coming in Greek, the parousia, the time in which Christ, as we say in the holy mystery, Christ has come, Christ will come again. And so this is, this is the context in which we have our parable today. And Matthew chapter 24 concludes, as Jesus is talking about the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of the kingdom of God, Jesus concludes by saying uh, with this line, blessed is the one whose master will find at, find at work when he arrives. In other words, blessed is the one who's doing what they're supposed to do when Christ comes in final victory. And the disciples start asking Jesus in chapter 24, okay, this all sounds very intense. This all sounds very confusing. When's it going to happen, right? This is the age-old question that uh, Christianity has been wrestling with since, well, you know, the time of Christ, whenever Jesus starts talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. When's it going to happen? And we've had, you know, Dozens, if not hundreds, even thousands of people across time who've made their predictions about when it was going to happen. Um, most recently, we had the, uh, the incident of the Mayan calendar in 2012, and then before that, it was Y2K. And you know, we've we've gone through these uh, events before, right? When the end of times is supposed to happen? Because we get obsessed with when. When is it supposed to happen? But Jesus breaks in and says, "You're asking the wrong question." The when doesn't matter. It's going to happen, just deal with it. When, it doesn't matter. We think, no, it kind of does matter. Why? Because, Jesus says, what really matters is, will you be ready when it does happen? And so we say, well, you know what? The when does matter because I want to be ready. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. You should always be ready. That's the conclusion of uh, our passage today, keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. That's the point. It's not something that we are supposed to know the when about, it's something that we are supposed to understand. Are we prepared? So, I'm not getting into like some doomsday kind of uh, apocalyptic sermon series here. We'll save that for the season of Advent. Instead, thank you, I appreciate the light chuckle. Instead, I want to get us into the question of what does this mean for us right now? How do we prepare? Our text today is one of three that we will be covering over the next three weeks, conveniently, uh, in which Jesus answers that very question of how. So, let's dive into the great metaphors of weddings. Jesus begins this parable by saying, and you can always tell it's going to be a parable whenever Jesus uses the word like, right? We know this is one of the two words of a simile, of hyperbolic speech, of uh, analogies. Uh, Like as, that means it's a simile. The kingdom of God will be like this. All right, we've got a parable set up for us. Interestingly enough, though, This is the only time, Jesus uses parables to talk about the kingdom of God a lot, but this is one of the only times that Jesus says says it in the future tense, will be like. Typically, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this, but this time Jesus says the kingdom of God will be like this, which means there is something that we have waiting in anticipation. One of the interesting things about weddings is you know who the wedding party is. If you've been to a wedding uh, even recently or however long ago, you know who the wedding party is. Why? Because of the way they dress. For example, we, uh, whenever we got to uh, the wedding last night, it was very easy to tell who the important people were because they have the boutonnieres uh, for the guys, and all the girls are wearing the same long matching dress, and those are kind of the symbols that those people are important. Fortunately, one of our best friends was a bridesmaid there, so we got to hang out with the important crowd, right? Bridesmaid's dress equals important. In our text today, we have a similar symbolism, except people didn't all have, like, the same dresses made for them, custom-tailored and all this stuff. Instead, the lamp was a symbol of a bridesmaid. The lamp. Very uh, very important symbolism in the life of uh, this church. So we have, we have the lamp that is setting these people apart. But then, even within the bridesmaids, we have another distinction. Some of the bridesmaids are called foolish, while the others are called wise. And if you've been to a wedding recently, you might be able to distinguish these people for yourself. You can tell there are some people up there who are like, Mm, did you really mean to pick them or was that obligatory because they're not acting like they should be and then there are some people who are up there like classy all right so we, we we know who the wedding party is and Jesus now makes a second distinction some are foolish some are wise Jesus here uses lamps this is important Jesus uses lamps here Uh, as a reference to the temple. Yes, it is something that is pretty common for bridesmaids to have this lamp. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But it's also a nod to the temple, which Jesus just talked about in chapter 24. Remember, context is important. Where in the temple, lamps are symbolic of the presence of God. In fact, this is true throughout much of Scripture. Anytime there is something that's intentionally burning... It is symbolic of the presence of God, remember the burning bush, remember the pillar of fire, we have the presence of God symbolized in that which is intentionally burning. The next thing that we have to unpack in this metaphor is the oil. The oil is is that which is uh, separating the foolish bridesmaids from the wise bridesmaids. Oil has many symbolisms in, uh, in the Jewish faith. We're just going to focus on two of them. The first is as an, a substance of anointing. Whenever there is an anointing to be done, oil is used. Uh, think back to the uh, anointing of King David. The priest comes with oil and calls him anointed. Um, so this, uh, then we get into the Christian perspective. We uh, end up substituting oil. Uh, Oil for water and the Spirit, baptism. Um, and so, oil here for Jesus can mean the Holy Spirit, or the other. Uh, the other symbolism of oil here is as an offering, that which we give to God. Um, in the days of the temple, an offering of oil was a very common offering. For us today, it might be a monetary offering or an offering of our gifts, our time, our energy, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have this symbolism that's being built up here when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. And the foolish ones are the ones who don't have the oil. And the wise ones are the ones who do have oil. So in this traditional ceremony of the Jewish wedding uh, experience there are kind of three different segments there's this betrothal segment and then there's this period of the engagement segment sounds familiar to our own Uh, and in this time we then get to the wedding feast itself but the uh, the groom would very often be coming from a different town or from a different location and the bridesmaids would go out to greet the groom upon coming in it's just a ceremonial part of what's going on here but they didn't know when he was gonna be coming. We didn't have texting, we didn't have phones, we didn't have find my friends, we couldn't tell when the groom was coming. So they would take their lamps and they would go out and wait for the bridegroom to show up. And the lamps were important because whenever it gets dark outside it's hard to see because there's no street lights. Okay, we're getting a little context here. So they have these lamps and they're going out to wait and they don't know when the bridegroom is going to show up. Um, We then even hear that the bridegroom is delayed in our own story. And finally, whenever the bridegroom shows up and somebody yells, here he comes, some of them are prepared and some of them aren't because some of them brought oil and some did not. We have the foolish and the wise. And the the wise ones are the ones, they have their oil, so they keep refilling their lamp and they're able to go and find the bridegroom and go to the wedding feast. The foolish ones then are told, well, go buy some more oil and then come back. They do, and they end up being too late, and the door gets closed, and they're not allowed in. There's always somebody who's late to a wedding, isn't there? Uh, I I recall a very similar experience to this when uh, one of my best friends got married, and we were walking down the aisle. The doors had been closed to the church. We were walking down the aisle, and we hear pounding on the door, we're here for the wedding, and everyone's like, what are you doing? We're trying to have a very special moment here. Go away. You're late. This is what's going on right here. Jesus Jesus says, the bridegroom doesn't let them in. They're late. All right. So the foolish ones are not let in. Why? Or, even harsher than not being let in, the bridegroom even goes so far to say, I don't know you. Brutal, right? I mean, so remember, this is, this is an, uh, an allegory for the kingdom of heaven, so we're, this is like starts to bite a little bit whenever we get into, into what, what we're touching on here, and it's because the wise bridesmaids were willing to invest in the bridegroom, whereas the foolish bridesmaids were not willing to invest in the bridegroom. Let me round this out a little bit. We've been talking about legacy. We've started this, uh, this in, into this season talking about what legacy means. And we talked about it last week with All Saints Day. But today we're gonna talk about how legacy is an act of investing. Investing in something that you care about so that it can continue on. It's a bit of a risk and it calls us to sacrifice some of our comfort whenever we invest in anything, no matter what that is. Oil costs money, right? You've got to buy the oil, so some of the bridesmaids, they invest in the oil. The others say, mm, price of oil is going up right now, this isn't really good, so we're going to just stick with what we have, not invest in it. The bridesmaids were not willing to go the distance for the bridegroom. If you've been in a wedding uh, recently, you know being in a wedding is an investment Especially if you're a bridesmaid, because all of a sudden there's like this $300 dress that you have to buy, and you have to pay for uh, your hair and makeup to be done, and sometimes there's jewelry involved, and then there's like the, the uh, bachelorette party, and it, uh, so, yeah, you can tell this is kind of fresh on my mind, not as a bridesmaid. Um, I, I have not yet been a bridesmaid, nobody's asked. Um, my wife is a bridesmaid in an upcoming wedding, so it's fresh on my mind. I'm seeing a lot of what you have to invest to be a part of the wedding. These bridesmaids are no different they were called to invest in their role as a bridesmaid but you do it because you love those who are getting married you do it because you say it's this this investment is worth it to be there to support those people that i care about this investment is worth it because i want to be there for them this metaphorical wedding that jesus is alluding to here whenever jesus says the kingdom of god will be like Jesus is referring to this, the marriage between Christ and the church, this ma- metaphorical marriage. And so if we, yes, I'm going to make it about us now and not just these ten bridesmaids, if we don't invest in our roles, can we really say that we love Christ or the church? When the bridegroom says, I don't know you, to those who showed up late, what he's saying there is, you weren't willing to invest in me, why am I going to make this exception for you? Remember, blessed is the one whose master, will find, whose master will find it hard at work when he arrives. Blessed is the one who is doing what they're supposed to, taking on their responsibilities when the master shows up. And that metaphor will come into play more next week. And so, when we talk about legacy, we're talking about investing. And this week we're talking about being prepared in investing. Begin preparing now by investing in what matters to you. Have you heard that line before? It's a pretty common expression, especially once you uh, get into like a, a, a stable working environment. They start saying, all right, begin investing now because it's gonna be a lot harder later down the road, and you're really gonna want that investment later down the road. Um, Jesus is talking about very much a similar thing. Begin preparing now by investing in what matters most to you. However, I want to make an addendum to what I said a moment ago. I hope for a moment you are not thinking about stocks or 401Ks or uh, any other form of retirement, but rather investing in the kingdom of God this is what jesus is saying should matter to us and next week we're going to get pretty uncomfortable in talking about that because i'm going to start using the word money don't worry it's not going to be one of those ploys where i'm like you need to be giving more to the church like i said in second corinthians uh, chapter nine whatever verse 17 god loves a cheerful giver i'm not here to begrudgingly ask more uh money from anybody but Legacy is about investing in what matters to us. And Jesus here is calling us to recognize the kingdom of God as our legacy, as our investment. It is those who were not prepared to go the distance, that are not welcomed into the wedding. They are the ones who saw no value in investing in what they were called to be. In the story, it's the bridesmaids who saw no value in investing in being a bridesmaid because they felt no value love or not enough love for the bridegroom or bride for us you're called to be ambassadors of the love of God and we have to ask ourselves now do we see any value in investing in that role do we love Christ do we love the church enough to invest so my challenge for us today is to be different be different from those, those five bridesmaids, the foolish bridesmaids, who only wanted to invest as much as their comfort level would allow. They didn't want to go the distance. They weren't willing to make themselves uncomfortable for this. We are called to leave a legacy of preparation, of recognizing that we don't know the win, And the win doesn't matter. When the kingdom of God comes, it's not the important question here. The important question is, will you be prepared? And so we are called to invest in the work of God here and now. And if this moment right here doesn't feel like a good resolution to what we're talking about yet, then I'm glad because we're not supposed to feel this resolution until after the final week of talking about this. And we get through the third story in Matthew 25. A little bit of unsettling for just a moment to recognize that we don't know what happens next and so Jesus says keep awake therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour be prepared invest in a legacy of the kingdom of God here and now let us pray